Hayır benim pinkliğin şaşırtısını söyle. 5 seconds. 7 <laughs> seconds. Anyway, um, PMQs. Right, lots to talk about. Starmer has, uh, yesterday, did his own press conference. All fancy. Like a rival, isn't he now? And he said, let's do a circuit break. So, Sage, I reported this on uh, last night's show. Uh, no, on Monday's show. Breaking news it was at the time. Sage said three weeks ago, I think it was the 21st of September, um, we've got to do a circuit break now. Now, 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 as Lincoln says. And, of course, old Saucy Johnson just said once, stay at home and work from home if you can. Not stay at home, but work from home if you can. But, you know, don't put too much effort into it. And um, anyway, so Starmer yesterday said, no, we need to do a circuit breaker now, 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 up to three weeks and schools can stay open. But if we do it exponentially, expeditiously, exponentially, um, then it can align with the half term that's coming up. The half term for part of the UK, well, for us in Devon at least, and I think half of the UK, is uh, in two weeks time so you know that's good so in 10 days time basically because it's a wednesday um and i think maybe the other half of the uk is the week um the week after because i know that nobody's on half term now so there might be um you know 17 days 17 days from now um so you know that's that's good now sage has said that's a good idea Starmer is now saying, yes, well, we have to do it because I'm the one that's now following the science. And why aren't we doing it? And for all his bluster and all his bullshit and all of his, you know, you want the shops to close and you want the pubs to close. Yeah, of course, that's exactly what he wants. But it's also what Sage wants as well. Like You can't really attack him that much because... And they did, he says, oh, no, but Sage did also say on page one... That, of course, the government have to consider everything else. Well, we know that, for fuck's sake. But still, you know, three weeks ago, they were saying, uh, you know, do it for, close for two weeks. Now, of course, as my researcher is very keen to point out, uh, but I think he heard it from someone. But I hadn't even thought of this. I thought, oh, that's clever. But then he said, no, someone else told me this. But now I'll tell you this. Um... So three weeks ago, they were asking for two weeks. What are they asking for now? Because, of course, we know that, you know, cases have quadrupled in that three weeks. So maybe they're asking for four weeks now. Well, that's what Northern Ireland are doing. But the North, the um, Northern Ireland chief medical officer was asking for six weeks. So he wanted six weeks. But Northern Ireland, Arlene Foster, has said from Friday... Northern Ireland are going into uh, a, a circuit break for four weeks. It means that the kids over there are going to have their week half term, but also another week off school. So that's two weeks off school, but overall it's going to be four week long circuit break. Interesting that it is a, a kind of compromise, if you like, um, between you know, kind of whatever, the you know, this fucking balancing act, you know. But it is four weeks, and you kind of need a good amount of time. I mean, Starmer said up to three weeks. You know, you need 
well, I mean, who, who knows what you need, but you certainly need something. You need at least two weeks, at least. And you could easily argue that you need four weeks. Now, interesting that um, Bonson Johnson did not rule out a circuit break. He was given plenty of opportunity to do that. And lots of his backbench colleagues would like him to do that. But he isn't going to do that. So I think it is coming. I don't know when. I don't know if it will be. I mean, you know, you never know with this fucking government. It probably will be to coincide with the upcoming um, half term that starts in 10 days or 17 days. But no, I don't think anyone or maybe the other half term starts next week. But I don't think it does start next week. Um, or maybe this half term is the same week. Oh, who fucking knows when the other? Why? Why am I? Why do I give a shit about when the other half term is? Anyway, it's roughly in the next few weeks. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, who you do expect them to, you know, do a Northern Ireland and get it to align with the time that the kids are off school? Like obviously, you know. And you also would expect, really, for them to say, just have another week off, for fuck's sake. Like, you, you were off for months and months and months. So you can have one week off, yeah? The first, like, just do a week of online teaching, you know? It's not that much of a pain in the ass. Hopefully, we get enough of a heads up on that so the schools can organise that, you know? But actually, schools are organising that anyway, especially schools in... Um, well, like schools across the country are doing it, yeah, everywhere, including in Devon, and obviously schools in Manchester and you know Nottingham and Birmingham and Liverpool and you know everywhere else where it's much much higher in London. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're doing it as well because of course the schools are thinking well, it's only a matter of time until it is going to get tasty, you know, because nobody's convinced that the fucking tier one, two, three is going to do anything, you know. So a circuit break is absolutely needed. And interesting that Arlene Foster has gone for it. Like, no fucking around. Let's go for it. Do it now. Now, the reason is because they have to go for it because it's got to the point in Northern Ireland where it is the worst place in Western Europe. The Czech Republic is the worst place in the whole of Europe. Czech Republic is looking bad and they have gone into a circuit break. I think theirs is for, is for at least a month and they are closing schools for all of that time and all non-essential shops and basically everything, you know, apart from they're basically going back into lockdown, but for not a kind of long, long time because they need to get. So it, you, this is how without test or trace or a vaccine and we don't have test or trace in any capacity in the UK. And obviously we don't have a vaccine. So you have to do stuff like this. You have to stop people meeting. Because if you stop people meeting, the virus has nowhere to go. Yeah. So it's only a matter of a when, not if. Like the bloody election that I'm going to talk about in a minute. It's only a matter of when, not if. Obviously the sooner you do it, the quicker then you can get on top of it. Because obviously, you know, there's not it will just race ahead of you and you will have to do it at some point so I've got a feeling that because he didn't rule it out he's planning on it and apparently the Tory the, like Starmer asked him about this the Tory graph themselves said that he's 80% like convinced of doing it um, in the next couple of weeks or before Christmas I think is how they put it 
Well, don't fucking wait for November. Do it now, right? There's my advice to you, sausage. And um, anyway, it's quite a tasty PMQs. And, but that was the biggest revelation. I think that is a sign that he is going to do it. And hopefully he'll do it now. Uh, not now, obviously not now, but quite soon. Um, we need to do something because, you know, 19,000 cases were detected. Like nearly 20,000. I think it was 19,700 tonight. But the uh, COVID symptom study app tonight is 25,000. So we know that there's at least 25,000 people with symptoms in the thing. That's the best estimate. Four million people use that fucking thing. So it's easily the best estimate, right? You can add on another 20% of asymptomatic. So what's that? Oh, Christ. Another 6,000, yeah? Roughly, is it? Something like that. Which is... um, So we've got 30,000, 31,000 people. Sorry, 31,000. Uh, yeah, 31,000 people every day, symptomatic and asymptomatic, who are getting this thing, roughly. Uh, anyway, um, this is a good bit from PMQ's Starmer, with a great line here. I know that for someone who's been an opportunist all his life, this is difficult, this is difficult to understand. But having read and considered the sage advice... I have genuinely concluded that a circuit break is in the national interest. Genuinely concluded. Mr Speaker, it's the failure of the Prime Minister's strategy that means tougher measures are now unavoidable. That's Sage's view. Sage has advised that a circuit breaker should act to reduce R below 1, should reset the incidence of disease to a lower level and should set the epidemic back by approximately 28 days or more. All three are vital, and that's why Labour backs it. So can the Prime Minister tell us what is his alternative plan to get R below one? R below one. Prime Minister. And I won't, uh, you know, delve out the pain of listening to that prick, but basically he says, you know, some bollocks. So, um, but, you know, what's interesting about the SAGE thing as well is that they're saying that we're going to, obviously, because Sama just said it, it it takes you back 28 days. Well, 28 days ago, it wasn't that great. Do you know what I mean? It's still, you know, pretty out there. You know, the R was still above one 28 days ago, yeah? So a circuit break now isn't the end of the story. Sage is saying we will need multiple circuit breaks in order to get back on top of this. And the, the only other option is for test and trace to get sorted out and really now that is the point of this as my researcher pains to point out to me you know the point of a circuit break is that it basically kind of allows people to to pause in terms of getting the bloody thing right you can get on top of test and trace in terms of you know what do we need to do to make test and trace better well, we, there's no, we know, everybody knows this. I've been talking about it since, what, April or, I don't know, probably in March I was talking about it, yeah? Make it local. Everybody now is saying, make it local. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been wasted on Serco and Deloitte who don't know what the fuck they're doing. And it's clear that they don't know what the fuck they're doing because uh, Test and Trace is getting worse 
Week after week after week, it's getting worse. When it goes to the local uh, public health authorities, the experts with the know-how and the experience and the, you know, like local knowledge, it works. So it's clear that there's an opportunity here for Johnson Sausage Johnson to make test and trace local and sort it out, you know. Uh, you know, who, who knows whether he's going to do it, but the pressure's on now. And Arlene Foster um, going doing what she did today, which is quite a surprise. Um, you know, no fucking around from her, which is good to see. But of course, she has no choice in it. Because in Derry, it's extraordinary. In Derry, it's about 900, um, 900 per 100,000 people have got it in Derry, right? It's a city in Northern Ireland, like near the border. And so that basically is one in every 100 people in Derry have got COVID-19. I mean, that is staggering. It's like shocking and terrifying. Yep. So if you're listening in Northern Ireland, I know I've got uh, listeners in Northern Ireland, you know, keep your head down, do all the basics. I'm sure you are because you're listening to this podcast. But my heart goes out to you. My, my heart goes out to you. It's not your fault, like for one. And, you know, it's just this horrible situation to be in where, like, thank fuck you've got, a leader who's you know interested in acting in your best interest and I know it's not a nice thing to do like you you know I know <laughs> do you know what I mean if you know if you're a new listener in Northern Ireland you know go back six months worth of episodes like go back to I don't know like episode 30 or whatever just randomly and um you know it's really difficult all of this yeah everyone knows it's difficult but it's also difficult dying on a fucking ventilator so there we go. I'd rather just stay in the house for a couple of days. Or a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. There's my Northern Ireland impression, which I really like doing the Northern Ireland impression. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous accent. Um, so, no, but seriously, though, my heart goes out to you if you're listening in Northern Ireland. And, um, yeah, just hopefully, you know, just stay safe and do all the basics. And remember that, you know, there is a clause in employment law, Article 44 and Article 100 are the articles, I think, um, that if you assess, if you've got a kind of, um, you know, sensible, fair assessment that wherever you work isn't COVID secure and that you're putting yourself at risk from getting COVID and therefore endangering what your life you know and certainly endangering your health then you can you have in the the law is on your side you have the right by law to not go into work and they cannot penalize you they cannot dock your wages they cannot sack you it's proven take a look into it if you're like worried about it maybe i'll do a little bit in a in a future show about it because it's getting to that point now where people in Liverpool as well, right? I've got listeners in Liverpool, exactly the same thing. And all across the fucking north, right? It's getting to the point where shielding has been lifted, okay? There's massive problems with the shielding lifts anyway, yeah? In terms of it wasn't big enough. Like, massive amount, like a huge proportion of people have got some kind of comor comorbidity that if you get COVID-19, 
it is not going to end well, okay? You're going to look at long COVID, you're going to, you know, it's not going to be a mild illness. For a massive proportion, I think it's about 30% of adults in the UK have got some kind of comorbidity, some kind of illness, essentially, or condition, which means that COVID-19, you know, it could be bad if you get it. Not Maybe not as bad as, you know, in you go to the hospital but there's plenty of people i know through this show and just personally i know that have had it and it's not easy for them at all you know and these are kind of people that don't have any like just well they they just like have the comorbidities that you'd expect you know whatever they're overweight or they've got some fucking problem like everyone's got something do you know what i mean um, anyway, take care of yourselves if you're in one of these hotspot areas. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of hopeful after that PMQs because I think it might be going in the right direction. Yeah. But we'll see. Because Donald Trump is simple. Not a joke. You're expendable. You're forgettable. You're virtually nobody. That's how he sees the seniors. That's how he sees you. It's no surprise. This is the same man who looks at Americans who put their lives on the line like you did, sir, and many others maybe in this room, for our nation, and calls them losers and suckers. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, would you please like me? Please, please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? Five thirty-eight has Joe Biden winning by uh, a landslide. Basically, I think a landslide officially is recognised if you win by over ten percent. Um, so not quite a landslide, uh, but out of the hundred times. They, um, the 538 has got a weird way of kind of doing this thing, yeah. They're too cool for just giving a percentage. But basically, they've got this election machine, and 40,000 times they do it. And uh, the sample of 100 outcomes below gives you a good idea of the range of scenarios our model thinks possible. I quote. And out of 100 times, 87 times out of that 100, Biden wins. Trump wins 13 out of 100 times. So you could say, you know, basically that 538 are giving Biden a an 87% chance of winning the election and Trump a 13% chance. And it's going, uh, that, that Biden number is getting bigger it's getting bigger every day and people are voting now more people are voting now and you know every day there's a, there's less than three weeks to go three weeks yesterday right 20 days 20 days that's all we got so uh every day that biden is winning is like he's literally winning it isn't a countdown anymore people are casting their votes you know Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people cast their votes today. 
and so far millions of people have already voted today. Uh, In-person voting and also filling out their forms and sending them in as well. So, you know, vote, voting by mail as well. So let's take a look at the uh, 538 prediction. For the election, so, you know, 87% chance for Biden. The Electoral College, they reckon, at the moment, they reckon that he's going to get 347 of the um, Electoral College. And you need 270 to win. That gives uh, Trump 191. Remember, Trump won last time. <laughs> so, like, that is a massive um, turnaround, a huge turnaround. Not quite a landslide, because as of tonight, um, 538 has got the aggregate of the polls, and they do weigh the polls as well. It's not just a kind of mathematical, you know, mean of all of the polls, but it's a, um, they, they kind of weigh the quality of the polls. And I like 538 in better than uh, real clear politics because because they do do that. They do do that. And, you know, and they know about, uh, you know, what is a good poll and what is a bad poll, basically. So it kind of makes sense that you kind of, you know, interrogate the, the quality of the poll and give the good polls uh, more... Uh, you know, credence. So they've done all of that, and and tonight they're giving um, the popular vote to Joe Biden at 53.5 percent, and the uh, and, and Trump has got 45.2 percent. So that 53.3.5 percent uh, is crucial. There's a couple of things to remember during all of this kind of 20-day countdown, right? Number one. He is above 50%. We have been saying for ages, and everyone's been expecting the polls to tighten. Well, they're not tightening. They're actually going the other way. The last two weeks for Trump have been an absolute disaster. Since the... uh, Well, you could go back further, of course. Like, I mean, you know, you could go back for the... Like, four years. But certainly since coronavirus, you know, it hasn't been good for Trump, it hasn't been good for fucking anyone else, you know, but um, definitely since the, uh, the the tax story broke in the New York Times that he paid $750 in 2016 and in 2017 for his federal income tax, and then the day after that was the first debate, which he was just, you know, it's just a, you know, horror show. Um, actually, it was two days after. That was a Tuesday, wasn't it? And then he got COVID-19. And, you know, he basically started to dip, significantly dip. He was on, you know, uh, 46, 46, like there or thereabouts. And then he started to dip. And he's gone down. Now, he'll always will have his, his base. Do you know what I mean? He's not going to lose his base, no matter what. And I think his base is about 40 some people think it's a bit less than that but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all that because we fucking learn enough times in the UK you know what I mean every other every fucking election comes around and go oh, it's close it's close it's close and then the fucking Tories just rip in they rip through so I wouldn't be surprised that there if there are 
um, you know, silent Trump voters, secret Trump voters who don't want to say that they're Trump voters and for whatever reason they're supporting this psychopath. But, um, you know, I, I'm quite confident in thinking that it's about 40% of people that are just going to be with Trump no matter what. Um, but 40% isn't 60%, like I've said before, and it's not even 50%. And if your opponent is on 50%, well, he's actually on 53%, so he's he can afford to lose 3%. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there are some undecideds out there, and of course, you know, there always are going to be, but you are not going to, and some of those will uh, break for Biden, but the problem is that there's, it doesn't look anything like um, 2016 for a whole number of reasons. The first one is that the number of undecideds is around about 5% this, this year. And um, in 2016, it was 12%. And the vast majority of those undecideds went for Trump. So he doesn't have, even if he got all of those 5% of undecideds, he still hasn't got enough to get uh, to beat Biden. Yeah. And of course, he's not going to get all of those undecideds. So, he, you know, let's take a look at that. So, so basically, he's, Biden's in a good position in terms of the popular vote. But this is an election that's won and lost on the Electoral College. The Electoral College, you know, in a nutshell for international listeners and British listeners, which you probably know this, but essentially all of the 50 states and territories are uh, kind of divvied up in terms of their population and given a certain amount of, um, you know, kind of uh, college points. I, I don't actually know what the, what the term is. Is it points? Um, so, for instance, you know, if you've got a very small state, you might have three, you know, it's in terms of um, population, a small state like, um, I don't know, Wyoming, for instance, I think they've got three in Wyoming. And I think that California is the most popular state. I think they've got 55. Um, Texas has got, I think, 39, is it? Florida's got roughly somewhere like that you know florida is a big state texas is a big state but the only states that matter obviously are the swing states so trump in 2016 won pennsylvania michigan and uh, wisconsin by under one percent so he just squeaked through into the presidency and he needs to win obviously all of those again pennsylvania is absolutely crucial wisconsin absolutely crucial and so um you know biden is uh, in the fortunate position of being well ahead in michigan wisconsin pennsylvania arizona so he is over the over the mark and there's really no serious you know, kind of analysis out there that thinks that this is a close election or basically that Trump can win, you know. I mean, we, who knows what's going to happen, but I'll talk, you know, in a while why this isn't 2016. But lots of different things have to go right for Trump. And the problem is that he's running out of time because it isn't just countdown to election day, then everyone votes. People are voting in their millions today and tomorrow and every other day until 
um, you know, November the 3rd. Um, so two key um, battleground states that are really interesting. And if both of these go for Biden, the chances are it's over and that we will know it's over on uh, Tuesday night or early, about 4 a.m. 4 in the morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday the 4th in the UK. Um, or obviously Tuesday the 3rd if you're listening in the States, yeah? So Florida and Ohio, uh, early voting is happening, in-person voting and mail-in voting is happening in both of those states. And they report their results and obviously also the results of the day's voting on the night of the election day, yeah? So on election night, all of the uh, uh, votes that have been, you know, coming in over the last couple of weeks are counted up that day and they're added to the votes that were done that day and then they release the results that night. If it looks like it might be that it is a resounding defeat of Donald Trump, uh, we will know that on the night of the election. Now, it's a big if because I don't know, 538 have got um, Biden winning Ohio. I'm not sure about that. I've, you know, I, uh, maybe I'm scared or whatever. Maybe I'm naive, whatever. But I don't think he's going to win Georgia. I don't think he's going to win Ohio. I don't think he's going to win North Carolina. Now, I think he could win Florida because Florida, this guy, is, Trump is, a, you know, he, he politically he's like totally a joke you know obviously as you like in every other country as you get older you become more conservative so old people seniors as they're called rather romantically in the states are a good block of republican voters they always have been and they always will be until this bloody election because this clown you know this covid going along and who comes who comes a cropper with covid it's old people, right? And this clown's acting as he is. And old people are thinking, I'm not I know that I'm conservative, you know, but I don't really want to die. You know, like, not yet, you know? And old, on the other side, is jolly old Grandpa Biden, who's talking about, yeah, like, you know, these sweet little stories about his grandkids and, you know, but also then serious criticism of Trump basically saying, you know, as you've just heard, you're expendable, the only senior he cares about is himself, and, you know, he couldn't give a fuck whether you live or die, basically, you know, like I was saying about the Troy pie the other day. So, um, and, I, and that is having a big effect. So this rock solid, like, he won seniors by 9% last time, right? You can't muck about with that. And also, they all vote, like, every single one of them to a person, like, more or less, is going to vote. It's not like, mm, I'm not sure. They've been voting for years. Do you know what I mean? It's seen as like, obviously, all of them are going to vote. It's seen as just part of, you know, being a citizen. So I think that he might have Florida in the bag. I think it will be close, but I think that he might have Florida in the bag, Biden. Ohio, I'm not so sure. Georgia, I'm definitely not sure about at all. And they are, and also not too sure about North Carolina, but I might be wrong about that. Might be wrong about all of it. But I do think that he's going to win um, comfortably. And also, very interestingly, 
Biden, and this never happens, of course the Republicans are the party that's connected to the, you know, corporations and the sources of, you know, kind of essentially funding that is so, uh, well, like grey or, you know, um, illicit that it's the, the the kind of funding is just banned across Europe because it's so obviously you know corrupt money but of course in the states you can fucking do it and so you know time and time and time again the best funded um, candidates are Republicans definitely when it comes to the presidential election without a doubt uh, historically the um, best funded candidates have been Republicans that changed with Obama and that changed with um, with like people being able to give, uh, you know, donate online, yeah. And Obama sees that. Obama really was the first to really kind of make hay with that, you know. And he did make hay, and he, you know, got a massive amount of money. And Biden is doing the same. And Biden has got more money than Trump for this election. It's extraordinary, but true. And and not just that, but Democrats are in Senate races all across the ticket, all across the country, are attracting uh, dollars like never before, okay? And they are um, often uh, out fundraising their Republican rivals. So, you know, that's really, really good. It looks like Trump is basically becoming toxic and people are not just turning against Trump, but they're turning against Republicans that, of course, the vast majority of, if, well, if not all of them, have been extremely loyal to Trump throughout the last four years because Trump turned the Republican Party into the Trump Party. And if you don't like Trump, you've at least kind of kept your head down. And, you know, some very few people have spoken out against him, but very few, um, you know, and even those people are kind of tainted by association to a certain degree. You know, I'm thinking of Mitt Romney, who's probably has spoken out against Trump, uh, you know, with more kind of more brazenly, if you like, or more kind of out there than anyone else. But we know also that Mitt Romney could have, well, obviously, um, you know, he's still in the party, for instance. You know what I mean? He could, if he really wanted to kind of cause trouble, he could cause trouble but he's not causing trouble because Trump is the president, you know? And so many of the Republicans are just like these loyal foot soldiers, like, you know, kind of waiting for Trump's... Basically fearful of Trump tweeting against them, you know? But he has become toxic. So, you know, what does that say for these people's futures and their careers when Trump goes? And I think it is a when and not an if, because you come back to the difficulty of Trump's position like how can he win what needs to happen for him to win well we've been waiting for the October surprise to hit Biden I spoke about it the other day it looks like it might be this story in the New York Post which is this ridiculous like unverifiable like just hit job which doesn't stand scrutiny about fucking Hunter Biden's emails like as if anybody gives a shit about that. Do you know what I mean? And that really kind of sums up where the Republican Party is. If they really think the country gives a shit about that, most people, if they think know anything about um, Hunter Biden, it's that, uh, you know, he had a drug problem 
and he got over it and it was very difficult because it always is very difficult to get over a drug problem do you know what I mean and we know that because Joe Biden himself told us that in a very frank like unscripted uh, kind of moment of authenticity of father talking about his son who's like you know the president of the United States is taking the piss out of his son and uh, Biden turns to the camera and levels with the American people. He said, I don't often speak about this, but, you know, my son had a had a substance abuse um, issue that he got over. So I would say that that's, it doesn't, it's not a clear cut line of attack um, from Trump's uh, point of view. I think that quite a lot of people knowing what they know about uh, Hunter Biden, thanks to Joe Biden's, you know, kind of honesty and whatever, like what he said on, in the um, in the in the debate, most people would be um, sympathetic to Hunter, if not most, then some. So it's not a kind of you know clear uh, line of attack. And also, number one and most importantly, obviously, who gives a fuck? Like two hundred and fifteen thousand people are dead. Do you know what I mean? It's got fuck all to do with some fucking email somebody might have sent, yeah? We know why 215,000 people are dead. We've been seeing it for the last six months and people are sick of the clown that have been have put people in that position, especially the people that are the most vulnerable, you know? So why is this not like 2016? Well, okay, there's not enough... Um, uh, undecided voters for Trump to kind of hoover them all up at the last minute but also unbelievably Hillary Clinton was less popular than um, Donald Trump going into the election which is, seems absurd to me but you know um, across the board there were things about um, 2016 that were in Trump's favour Number one, he was the uh, the challenger, yeah, to the status quo because obviously Clinton was seen as a kind of status a status quo candidate, yeah, and um, you know he was the disruptor in chief. But now we've had the four years of disruption, so it's totally not the same. We've had COVID nineteen, that makes it in itself not the same. We've also had a a kind of series of like exposures to the true character of Donald Trump, you know, in every single area in terms of obviously who you want as your president, but also um, who's the better person, who's got the better policies across the board, including now in the economy, which is the one thing that um, Trump was favorable, like better, doing better in the polls than Biden. But now Biden is even beating him on the economy, you know, law and order. Biden is trusted more on Lord and Order. I mean, to us, it's no surprise, obviously, you know, but we're not talking about us. We're talking about the, you know, population as a whole. So across the board, whereas last time it was a lot less clear cut because Trump was the um, was, was the disruptor, the change agent, if you like, and Hillary Clinton was like hugely unpopular um, figure. Uh, and also because, you know, we're, we're, of where we are now. So it's nothing like 2016. And also, 
538 were giving, what's his name, a 30% chance. Now they're giving him a 13% chance. And I know we've got a couple of weeks to run, but really what can happen? They've both got a, a rival um, town halls that they're doing on their own on different networks. Uh, Biden's is an hour and a half long, I think, on ABC. And Trump's is on NBC, and that's an hour. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, kind of ratings or whatever. But of course, most people are going to watch them both. I'm certainly going to watch them both. Not because I love Trump, but I'm interested, obviously, in how he does. Do you know what I mean? And it will be really interesting. But I don't think that Biden's going to F up that much. F up that much to, um, like, you know, for, for voters to, like, think, oh, Christ, I've really, you know, oh, I've made a bad decision. I'm going to vote Trump now. Or for Trump to be do so well that voters are going to go, yeah, what am I thinking of? Voting for Biden? This is the guy. You know what I mean? Like, we've, we, it, all of it is baked in by now. There is so little that is going to change people's opinion. Well, that's, uh, that's the whole undecided thing. There are so few undecided voters. Yep. Yeah? I think turnout is going to be absolutely massive as well. Absolutely massive. So it could be that I'm being, whatever, like cautious. And he could, you know, get Ohio. He could get Georgia. Interestingly, because they've got so much money, the Biden campaign are going after states that, you know, like a year ago or even six months ago would have been unthinkable. They're going after Texas and they are competitive in Texas, competitive in Texas. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get Texas, but they're competitive in Texas. Texas at the moment, there's a 31 percent um, uh, chance that Biden will get it. And they did a, a kind of a big phone bank effort the other day, led by Beto O'Rourke. And they've phoned uh, just shy of 2 million people. I'm not sure if they got, that was their target, it was 2 million. Um, it was 1 million first, and they flew through that because everybody's so energised and kind of up for it. Like, you know, flipping Texas. I mean, that would really be extraordinary. He's got a 31% chance at the moment, so the chances are, obviously, that it's not going to happen. But if you flip Texas, then it is a landslide of historic proportions. I mean, absolutely. You know, I think uh, LBJ, I think it goes back to LBJ if they get Texas. So that's, you know, what, 50 years, over 50 years, yeah? So, but I don't expect him to get Texas, but I do expect him to get uh, Florida, and Florida's a big state, yep. So anyway, lots and lots of really interesting, um, uh, you know, kind of poll analysis that's coming out, and quite a good few podcasts, if this is what you're interested in. Um, I know it's a COVID fucking thing, you know, but this is to do with COVID, obviously, because COVID's a big part of it part of the election but listen i do recommend tax on tap i've mentioned it before but it's really good really really good so there's, a, there's obviously loads and loads but i'd say that, that is the best by some way actually i quite like it and um yeah, anyway there you go let's see what happens in two weeks time
shop And I bump into everyone Say, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is a podcast Called Social First of all, please subscribe. Please consider subscribing at least. Let that finger hover over the subscription button. Go for it. Go for it. Subscribe. And also, next show is on Friday. So we'll see where we are in terms of COVID-19. It feels in many ways like the most difficult of all of the difficult days are ahead of us in the next couple of weeks and months. It's going to be a rough six months. There's no getting away from that. And even if we do have a series of uh, circuit breaks, which is no, you know, it's not a given. With old sausage in charge, it's not a given at all that he does the right thing. In fact, he'll do the right thing only kicking and scre- screaming with lots and lots of, you know, dead people in his wake. You know, we know this because we've been living through it for the last couple of months. Having said that, I think things are going to look much better in March, April, May, June and July. And according to the um, Robert Redfield, the uh, head of the Centers for Disease Control in the United States, COVID-19 will be history in the history books in July. July feels like a very long time away, but, you know, we've come so far, so we don't have that long to go. Uh, take care of yourselves. Get a flu jab if you can. That will really help the NHS. And it will really help you as well. And also, you know, do everything that you can, that you have to do. Especially if you're, you know, in those places where it's kind of out there. You know, you have to social distance. You have to wear a mask. I'm wearing a mask outside now, like basically all the time unless I'm walking through a field on my own. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the only time I don't wear a mask. Um, and what else? Yeah, all the other things that we know about. And uh, mainly, you know, let's just take care of each other because it's incredibly stressful and difficult anyway. And then, you know, when kind of life interrupts with whatever, you know, life kind of, you know, throws us. It can be very, uh, well, debilitating. People can become very stressed and anxious really easily. Um, So anyway, 
what should we think of tonight? Let's think of a beetle. A beetle. Beautiful, one of those really beautiful black shiny ones. You know the shiny black ones? They're the good ones. I think they are. I don't know what the bloody Latin for it is, but you know, the kind of bog standard beetle, you know. Think of that. It looks a bit like a button. You know those be- button beetles? Uh, one, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Thank you ever so much for listening. And next show is Friday. Take care.